You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome again to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. Once again, I'm Ben Wolf. Today, we are going to learn from our guest how to improve your sales process and get far more results from your salespeople. Um, you know, at the uh, Tony Robbins Business Mastery Program I was at in January, one of the things that he talked about is that there's really only two things that a business needs to constantly and never-endingly improve in, uh, which is uh, which is sales and uh, innovation. That if you're not constantly and trying never-ending improvement in those two areas, that you know that that's that's going to be the end. It, you know, it's going to go downhill from there. So, um, for any really any business improving their sales process is key. So we hope to definitely learn some uh, critical information and knowledge, uh, you know, that hopefully everybody could use in their businesses and apply right away in terms of imp improving their sales process and their salespeople, their sales management. And as always, uh, just as a reminder to please leave a leave a review, subscribe, and whatever method you're using to listen to this show makes it uh, more available to yourself in the future. Uh, the unique value of the show, which is bringing on guests, which as always are not uh, only in you know, sharing inspiring entrepreneurial stories of their own, but are sharing information, tools that people can use right away that add value to you, to others. Uh, so it, when you when you subscribe, when you leave a review, it actually improves it on the algorithms for these platforms and makes the content and the value available for even more people. So please go ahead and do that before you forget. And uh, so our guest today is a partner at Pivotal Advisors, where he and his team either coaches or works hands-on hands with sales managers across the United States to implement processes which vastly improve the effectiveness of their sales teams. Uh, he's been in sales for 30 years, uh, and he's been a sales leader consistently for the past 20 years and a little bit before that as well. Hails from the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Uh, you can find out more about his work at PivotalAdvisors.com. That's PivotalAdvisors.com. And uh, without further ado, I give you Gary Braun. Welcome, Gary. Good morning, Ben. Nice to have you. Thank you for having me here. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. And uh, so let's uh, let's get down to it. I, mean, I guess one of the first things I wanted to ask you about was uh, was just getting into a little background. Uh, I know you you started off uh, as a long stretch as a successful salesperson, an individual salesperson. You know, lugging around, uh, I think you, you said, uh, heavy desktop publishing equipment. And uh, tell me a little, you know, brief story about how that went at the beginning, what that was like. Oh, yeah. First job out of college was actually uh, copiers, which was interesting. Back in the day, you had to load up copiers, put them in your car, load them all around, demo them, sell them, etc. So that was first job out of school. That was a tough job. Uh, there, From there, I went to, as you mentioned, desktop publishing, where we sold really high-end laser equipment to uh, uh -huh. people who were on, on uh, displacing traditional typesetting equipment. So that was interesting and sold through a dealer network, sold computer hardware, sold all, all different types of things. But uh, out of the gate, it was a lot of learning how to uh, take no for an answer, be persistent, constantly being out there prospecting. It was, uh, it was tough sledding out of the gate. Right. Well, it sounds challenging. Did you see? Did you see the? Uh, did you see the movie with Will Smith, uh, Pursuit of Happiness? 
Oh yeah, that was great. It was a lot like that actually. Yeah, that, well, that, what you're talking about actually reminded me of, of of him like lugging around those machines. I think imaging machines or something for doctors at the beginning, and and uh, just you know that story kind of reminds me reminds me of that. They 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 actually gave us these gurneys that they carry around or roll around caskets on, and that's what we put these big you know multi hundred pound copiers on and we had to roll them through wow. the streets of minneapolis and sometimes had to get them upstairs i was on a lift once where i was oh straddled gosh. above things but yeah it was it was quite a start uh well that's that's amazing I and mean, i guess it's a testament to your to your pluckishness and out of resolve whatever just to 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 go through put yourself through all that to uh to make sales uh, you know maybe a lot more of a, of a gauntlet that people get or got put through and then that is, is less so now for, for great salespeople. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? I'd say even new salespeople out of the gate, they, uh, a lot of them get three, three days or a week in a conference room to learn everything they need to know about the, the products or services, the industry, uh-huh. the competition, and they get jammed down their throat and then they're set off free to the world to go sell. So I, I think there's still a lot of similarities in today's world. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, now, I know at one point uh, you were promoted to a managerial position because you were a good salesman, a good individual contributor. So, like, what kind of issues did you start to run into then? What was that like? It was a completely different job. Um, when you are a good salesperson, you know how to prospect, you mm-hmm. know how to get in front of the right decision makers, you know how to pitch your products, you, do, you ask great questions. You, you're very good at that job. And then the next day, they say, Great, you're the boss now. You're in charge of this team, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're supposed to have to know how to coach other people, hold them accountable, mm-hmm. have a difficult conversation, give them feedback, mm-hmm. and also things like set the strategy for the team, develop comp plans, make your sales plan. It's a completely different job, but uh, I, I comp see plans. You mean compensation plans for the other salespeople? Right. Yeah. How okay. do I how do I adjust the commission plan for other people? You never learn that when you're selling. I mean, again, right. it, it's completely different. But I see what? entrepreneurs do that all the time. They say, you know, well, Billy or Johnny or Sally, you're the best salesperson. So we're going to promote you because you're going to be awesome at uh, being a manager. And it's it's a different role. Right. Well, what you describe, I mean, certainly does sound com- com- like a completely different set of activities and skills. Completely. Completely. But uh, I would say 80 to 90 percent of all sales leaders were exactly what I was. They they were a successful salesperson and then they got promoted. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody really gives them the tools as to how to do this sales leadership position. Well, I, mean, I guess that kind of keys into what I want to ask you next, which was, I mean, how did you evolve your thinking or how did you learn to become a great, you know, to become a better or greater or great manager? Were you at the beginning? Like, what, what was that like? How, what was your evolution as a sales leader, not just an individual contributor? Yeah, good question. Um, out of the gate, I'll tell you, I was not a very good sales leader. So I, mm-hmm. I thought when I, uh, when I was with the desktop publishing company, I thought my job was to just help everybody close their deals. So they would find mm-hmm. them and tee them up, and then I would run around and quite, kind of be the, quote, closer, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that's not super scalable. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, humbled to say, I, I failed my first time out because mm-hmm. that was not good leadership. That was, we, you know, we affectionately call them super sellers. They're not really managers. They're just kind of super right. sellers that go out and help. But um, right. you did, I, I was- You continued doing some, some, some level of what you were doing before and what you were good at before. 
Exactly right. That's what I knew, and that's what I was good at. And then I couldn't understand why everybody couldn't do it as good as me. So um, that was frustrating for me. And then I found my team actually got worse because instead of selling, they would just get it to the point where they would say, well, we got it to this point. Let's bring Gary in so he can go close it. Mm -hmm. And their skills actually eroded, which is just terrible. So I I had, (laughs) when I went forward, I was with an e-commerce company at one point, and I had this big awakening where... One of my reps came in and said, well, we're meeting with this big, huge client, and why don't you just write the presentation? I went, well, it's your client. Why would you do it? Why wouldn't you put this together? And she came back and she says, well, you're going to do it your way anyway, and you're going to change everything, so why don't you just do it? And it was just like a thunderbolt in the head where I just said, wow, this is not a great system. Um, I am enabling my people to just leverage me and that's not a scalable solution. And mind you, this company was on its way from a million dollars to $400 million, and I was becoming the bottleneck. So mm-hmm. I actually got help. Um, I got help, uh, a coach to teach me how to get a system in place that uh, I can hold people accountable. I can develop them. I can give them feedback. I, I changed my mindset from I need to sell everything to how do I make my team better, and that made a world of difference. Right. So getting a coach, was there any other pieces that were involved in your own evolution of your thinking on that? My brother was actually my coach. Um, he, he had gone through a very similar situation where he was a salesperson and then a sales leader and he actually moved up to VP and then general manager of this $250 million division of the billion dollar company. But mm-hmm. he had gotten formal training. He, he, had very good mentorship with a larger corporation. They put him through very good sales leadership. Uh, they sent him off to schools. They assigned people to him and whatnot. And it's it's kind of funny. The genesis of our company was on the golf course. So, you know, Thursday mm-hmm. night golf league, he would show up and I would be pulling my hair out and complaining <laughs> about this and that and the other thing. And then he, he he would say, you know, this is what I went through as well. And he would give me tips on how often are you doing a one-on-one? What do you talk about when you do one-on-ones? What if you did it this mm-hmm. way? What do you measure? And, and he kept giving me these tips. And at first right. it was interesting because it was my brother and I didn't want to listen to him because there's that whole sibling thing. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I started implementing things and they were working and people were getting better direction and Mm -hmm. activity levels went up because I was holding them accountable. And when people came to me for an answer on things, rather than just give them the answer, I would ask them questions and make Mm -hmm. them think through things. And you know what, they started getting better and they didn't have to come to me as much. And I became a lot less of a bottleneck. So that evolved me. And as I slowly implemented these things, my team got better and the company actually took off uh, as a result of that. Well, okay. Well, that I mean, that's it's, I mean, it's a perfect background to get to, you know, kind of more of the direct uh, knowledge and guidance that I think that that people you know want to learn and want to hear from you, um, which is, uh, you know, I guess first of all, you know, in, in your experience with your clients, like when you see clients that are coming to you where they have low sales, they have sales problems. Um, what what are they usually doing, let's say, before they come to you, and, and what are the results of that? Yeah, so companies always, I shouldn't say always, many companies get out of the gates and they get a lot of growth um, because they know people and they sell to friends and family. They've mm-hmm. got a good product or service. Right. Uh, they've got a good core group of people that are all wearing lots of hats and they get to a certain point where sales are going good, and then it tapers off. 
and they don't okay. know why. And they have a hard time bringing other people in, and they go to one of three things. Either they fire people and say, I don't have the right salespeople or the right sales mm-hmm. leader, and they get rid of them and they bring them back. Or they send them to sales training. And, and what I think do, what, do you mean, what do you mean get them and bring them back? Get them and then rehire them? Or what do you mean? Or, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, fire them and then get somebody else in there. Or, okay. or promote the next good salesperson and then they didn't work out and then we just keep repeating that cycle over and right, over again. Right, right, okay. Uh, or they send them to sales training. And I think there's awesome sales training out there and I really do think there's some fundamental skills that you can get out of sales training. However, they do nothing to reinforce it or coach to it or hold them accountable to it. So mm-hmm. after 90 days, people are back to their old habits and they blame it on bad sales training and then they get the next sales training. Uh, but they do that a couple of times. And then the last one I see happen quite often is the CEO says, I just need to, quote, motivate my people. So mm-hmm. I'm going to change their comp plan. I'm going to change their mm-hmm. how they get paid. I'm going to make them you know, more more commission and less base, and I'm going to change their percentages, and they mess around with that. And none of those things work. They, they've gone through them several times. They get very frustrated because they're trying to get that next level of growth. When we go in and we work with these companies, and we've worked with you know over 250 of them, mm-hmm. we find that the big things that are missing are the team doesn't have great direction. We're not chasing the right customers or chasing anything and everything that moves, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't necessarily give us the best chance to win. So there's no um, clear target market or, or profile or persona for the ideal client that you're going to maximize your sales and marketing resources with. Uh, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if <laughs> we joke often and say if they have a pulse or they can fog a mirror, they're a prospect and that <laughs> they might be. They might be, but uh, they're, they're not going to give you, that's not the best use of your time. So let's get in front of the people that are give you your best chance to win. Right. Um, these companies struggle huge with hiring. So they hire a person who's from their industry, who interviewed well, who shows that mm-hmm. they've got a good track record, and they're, quote, a relationship person or a people person. Right. And they've got drive, you know, and the very generic things. And I say, if you don't have those, you shouldn't be in sales in the first place. Right. But they don't really get down to, do we need this person to hunt or are they really farming the current accounts? If, right. if they're hunting, are they generating their own leads or are they given leads? If Are they working with small mom and pop type of companies that they're selling to or are they working with, you know, big IBM and 3M and trying to navigate very large organizations? Because mm-hmm. all of those things are very different types of sellers. Mm-hmm. But they don't really consider those. So, you know, we help them hire the right people that are going to fit exactly what their strategy is. Um, right. Probably one of the biggest things uh, is performance management. And I mentioned it just a little bit ago. But mm-hmm. how often do you – here's a question I ask. I'll, I'll ask you, Ben, you know, is what, what do you think when I ask a sales leader, do you sit down and have one-on-ones with your people? What do you think they say? They say whether or not they do one-on-ones. I mean, you said earlier, most people are not doing one-on-ones. Yeah. They say, I talk to my guys all the time. I talk to them okay, multiple right. times a day. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm my answer. All the time. Or, or, yeah. or I have a scoreboard like on Salesforce and I'm watching it 50 times a day, you know, like. Right. Exactly. But, but when uh, I ask them, you know, how often do you sit down and really talk about their performance and whether they mm-hmm. have enough activity or whether they're closing at the right rate or are they concentrating on the right clients? Yeah, we don't do that. But, you know, I, I'm pretty in tune with my guys. Right. And, and men- when I come back... Like a mentoring, like a, like a real mentoring or coaching process. Right. There, there's nothing like that. Right. And um, when I ask them, you know, 
you know, well, the, the other thing I hear is, well, but I do have an open door policy so anybody can come and talk to me anytime they want. And right, right. me being kind of a sm <laughs> smart aleck at times, I come back and I say, how often does your bottom guy who's struggling come into your offices and say, I, I don't know what I'm doing, I need help? And the answer right, to that is right. typically never. So, you know, this, the most right. basic thing of... Ben, you and I are going to have a one-on-one -on -one every Monday morning, and we're going to talk about what did you accomplish last week? What's your plan for this week? Did you hit your right level of activity, meaning meetings or calls or new opportunities or whatever it happens to be for your company? Right. Are we on track with the numbers? What do you have to do this week to catch up? And when they say, you know, I'm supposed to have five new opportunities, but I got two then we have a discussion and go, okay, what are we doing? What do we need to do differently? Who are we targeting? How are you getting in the door? Maybe we should try this, but you're actually coaching and mentoring and yeah. managing their performance. That simple element misses from most small to mid-sized companies. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It sounds critical. I mean, if you have, the, if you have those kind of check-ins, that kind of accountability, uh, it's it's inescapable. I mean, you, you have to address the issues, and if they're not being addressed, at some point it's like, okay, like, you know, do we have the right person here? But because you're so in touch and so in tune with what's going on and you're making yourself available, uh, you're, you're, able to, you're able to get to that realization a lot faster if, if it's not the right person. Yeah, and, and it's simple. We're all going to agree on what your weekly objectives are. We call them MITs, most important things. So what are your yeah. five MITs for the week? And mm -hmm. it's, I'm going to find two new opportunities. I'm going to get this proposal out. I'm going to close that deal, whatever it happens to be. My next one-on-one -on -one says, Ben, how did you do on your MITs? Yeah. That basic little accountability, and it's really yeah. basic accountability, goes a long way yeah, in just providing science. direction. It's What's that? About actually, it's not rocket science. It's, it's about actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. And are they executing? And here's the big deal. If they're not, a lot of sales leaders will go, you know, I'm going to have to rate you up. I'm going to put you on a PIP performance improvement plan. Right. No, this is your opportunity. This is your job to actually coach them and help them. And if they can't get over the hump after a lot of different coaching interventions, then maybe you go to that. But your job as a sales leader mm -hmm. is to make them get better. And then the last thing I, I hear a lot is um, I'll, I'll call it tribal knowledge. You know, we call it sales process, but uh, there's a lot of tribal knowledge that goes on. People grew up within the organization. They understand mm -hmm. about the products, the services. What are the best questions to ask? Who do we go after? How do we position different things? What commitments do we get along the way? And it's all in all the veterans' heads and the mm -hmm. top performers' heads, and mm -hmm. it never gets filtered down to anybody else. And they'll say, hey, Ben, you're a new rep. You should go shadow Johnny over there because he's really good. Right, right. You don't even know what you're listening for. And hopefully right. through osmosis, you're going to get this. So, you know, actually having a formal sales process that you write down and you hold, train to people, train it to new people, you coach it, you reinforce it, you revisit it all the time, you make sure everybody's following the process, that makes a world of difference as well. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And, you know, as, a, as an EOS implementer myself, helping companies you know, implement that uh, that simple, comprehensive set of processes to get what they want out of their business. So, obviously, in you know, one of the six in that in that world, one of the six key components of the business that you know we teach and help people strengthen all the time. And obviously, you're very familiar with this uh, because uh, through your own company and through um, a lot of 
through I know a, a large portion of your clients are, are doing EOS in their own businesses, is that the, everything you're saying now will sound very familiar as mm -hmm. the process component, one of the six key components, which, like you say, means documenting the 20% of the activities that get 80% of the results in, in actually achieving your core process. And obviously here we're talking about the sales process, you know, one of many core processes in a company, and uh, or one of a handful at least. And, uh, and, you know, and it's exactly that, like you say, just like simply showing how it is, make sure it's not in people's heads, make sure they're trained on it and they're measured and managed based on that, uh, based on that process. But for anything that you want to do in the business, whether it's customer service or sales, I mean, the, the same thing applies in any area, but, um, but you know, w without that, you're, you're pointing out that it's, it's uh, like you said, you're leaving everything in people's heads and it leaves a lot of room for misunderstanding and everybody doing things a different way and you're not getting things done the right way and the best way every time by your salespeople if you're not doing this. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm glad you said that because I talked to a lot of, you know, the business owners or CEOs or entrepreneurs and I'll ask, most of them didn't come up through sales. They came up through finance or engineering or manufacturing or they invented the, a product or whatnot, but they did not come up through sales, the vast majority mm -hmm. of them. And when I ask them about engineering, it's here's our plan, here's our process, here's what we do, here's how we measure it. I'm like, do people deviate from that? Oh, no, 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 we, st we stick to that. And then I'll ask right. them about finance and it's the same mm -hmm. thing. And I'll ask them about customer service and the same thing. And then I'll ask them about, so what about sales? And they're like, oh, geez, I don't know. It's, you know, this big magic <laughs> thing. I just don't know. It's the same thing. We have a strategy, a plan, a process. We measure it, we reinforce it, we coach to it. Right. It's the same thing. Right, I hear. Well, let me go back for a second to what you talked about with identifying uh, identifying your target market and being very clear about who you're talking to. And uh, and so for each persona, you know, let's say there's one or two, whatever the number is, of target market type people or type companies. Uh, how do you how do you teach how do you teach companies how to differentiate their message to their different? You know, if there's more than one target market, if there's more than one type of person or company that they're selling to each one with their own challenges needs etc how, how are you how are you teaching them to differentiate their sales process or their message to each type of person yeah well a couple different concepts in there one, one is you know when we talk about ideal client we talk about getting in front of the right types of companies if you will or the right types of prospects um mm -hmm. so so you know rather than we go after manufacturing. I'm sure there's some good manufacturing clients and some bad manufacturing clients. So mm -hmm. what is the size and, and structure and specific commonality around their needs or whatnot that we go after? So, you know, we, we try to help them concentrate on the right um, types of companies in the first place. So once you've identified the right type of company to go after, then there's the different stakeholders or different decision makers within those companies. And they all think about things differently. Uh, if I'm talking to a CEO, I'm probably going to be talking about results or bottom line or strategy or how do I drive top line or efficiencies or something along those lines. But if I'm talking to somebody who's, I don't know, head of manufacturing, head of engineering, I'm probably talking about very mm -hmm. different things. I'm, I'm going to be talking about how we make their things more effective or how I drive their cost per unit down, or maybe it's about safety or, you know, something along those lines. But recognizing that different people care about different things and tailoring your questions and your presentation to those people is essential. And, and you use the word differentiate, Ben, and it's something that 
a lot of these companies re really struggle with. And you and I had a chance to chat about it on another occasion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the big thing when I ask, <laughs> I bet I've talked to a thousand sales reps and I said, why buy from you versus your competition? And the big thing I hear back is, well, we have really good customer service and mm -hmm. we have awesome people and we really care about our customers. And, you know, we put the customers first. And my, my again, smart aleck re response to that is, <laughs> Don't your competition, don't, don't all your competitors say the exact same thing? And of course they right. do. I, I'm still waiting for the first competitor out there to say, our customer service is just kind of okay. You know, nobody right. says that. We have, we have great so, products. <laughs> customer service is eh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if, you're, if that's what your differentiator is, guess what? You don't have a differentiator. So we're really looking for the things that... Um, can either help your prospect make money, save money, avoid risk. Yeah, is it because you focus on a particular industry and you have industry knowledge? Is it mm -hmm. because you have a bell or whistle that somebody else doesn't have? Is it because your quality is better and you better be able to demonstrate that? Is it because you'll customize more to what the customer wants versus somebody else? Uh, there's there can only be one low price provider on the market. So mm -hmm. you know you better if you're if you're leading with price, you better be sure that that's your model and you've done everything you can to drive cost out of it. But there's all different types of way to right. differentiate. But most companies really struggle on that because they fall back on that we have awesome people and we have awesome customer service. Right. So I mean, I'm assuming that's something that you you work with them on when you're advising your clients to uh, you know to facilitate their process of really clarifying what that is. Now, I mean, again, if if it's somebody that's doing EOS, you know, they're 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 hopefully going through the process in their in their marketing plan portion of the uh, of the process of clarifying what are my three uniques. I mean, that's a, that's that's a critical piece of information that is uh, you know that has to be incorporated into your marketing and into your sales that um, sorry that uh, that is you know that has to be there in your message to your to your target market yeah um, and yeah it and, like, it, and it and it becomes so part of your otherwise yeah I was just gonna say it, it becomes part of your sales process too and when you present your differentiation you can tell people about it you can say you know what I'm faster bigger better quality, etc. Or you can get them to say that, which is much more effective. And I'll go back to my days. I was with a company called Digital River, big okay. e-commerce company. Um, and we were really good, for instance, at doing international. So if I found a company that was in my target market, I could say, we're really good at international because we do currency, you know, native currency, and we'll translate the language and we'll do this and we'll do that. And they're on the other side going, oh, that sounds interesting. And they're nodding their heads and it may or may not be hitting home. Now, that's one way mm -hmm. to do it, which I think is not very effective. But if I take that differentiation and I build it into the sales process and I go, Ben, how much international business do you do online? Oh, a small bit. Why do you think that is? Well, mm -hmm. when I was on your site, I noticed that everything is in U.S. dollars. So you're kind of making your, your client do that conversion. Do they do that very well? No. Okay. I noticed mm -hmm. that when we've done this with other clients and we've put it in euros or pounds or whatever else, that we get about a 20% increase. So how, how much would that mean to you in dollars if you got a 20% increase? Oh, okay. So that sounds pretty right, important. Right. I notice everything's in, in <laughs> credit cards right now. Do you, you know, in the in Europe, they don't use credit cards the same way they use it here. So 
you know, how, how many shopping carts do you do? Oh, when we've done other things other than like EFT funds or whatnot, we get about a 20% increase. So if you got 20% more out of that, what does that equate to? And by the end of my line of questioning and making them think mm -hmm. through things, they're going, mm -hmm. yeah, I really want an international solution, which is way different than saying we're good at international. So not only identifying, I love how EOS does the three uniques and really makes people think about that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they're all drilling down past customer service and good people. But right. if we really get to the three uniques, then how do I turn that into my sales process? And again, coming up with the best questions to ask and who do I ask those questions of? It all ties together. Right. And, you know, and I know, I know from what you've said that when you, when you work with clients, I mean, again, people can, can reach you if, if, if they need to at uh, pivotaladvisors.com and, uh, and, you know, that you help people through coaching, but also through actually coming in and helping them actually implement as another form of service that you do. But, um, but, uh, but it's, you know, but, but in terms of clarifying that, you know, that message, the three uniques and putting it, like you say, into your sales process itself, training them, training people, coaching people or teaching the sales manager how to coach and train their people uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, to how to incorporate those messages into their sales process, how to use questions effectively, like in the way you just illustrated, which definitely does sound powerful, uh, you know, in using questions in that way. That Absolutely. Learning. It, it, it's, it's different skill set. And uh, our key is when we work with that manager to teach them how to teach their clients, or, or I should say their team members. So right. when they're there... Here's another one I ask sales leaders all the time. When you go on a sales call with your salesperson, what's your role? And mm -hmm. I, often I get back, well, you know, they brought me there and I know more than they do, so I kind of run the presentation. Right. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not right. When you go there, your job, if you're doing it really well, is you certainly you play a role as, you know, um, a company representative. But largely your role in many times is to sit and watch your rep and observe and catch them doing the right things and give them that feedback and find mm -hmm. things that they're not doing correctly or different ways they could ask questions or get commitments or gather additional information. And afterwards, we sit and we have a meeting and we go, Ben, let, let, let's pull out our checklist of what we said a good sales call would look like. So how did we mm -hmm. do on... You know, making sure we had a clear agenda. How did we do on getting commitments from mm -hmm. them? Did we identify three things that, that uh, the client, we could possibly help them with? Who did most of the talking? Oh, you did. Hmm. Okay, we really want the customer. So what do we need to do different mm -hmm. next time? But that is a coaching opportunity. And that, right. as a sales leader, is your role. Not to run the sales call because mm -hmm. then you become like Gary was several years ago when I thought my job was to sell all the deals. No, your job is to right. make them better. And when you can coach them and mentor them, that, that's when you right. can make a real difference and start scaling. Right. So, so, so coming into sales calls is not, is not so much about doing the sales, as you're saying. It Rather, it's more focused on the measuring and, and management aspect, the accountability aspect, and the coaching aspect, not about actually helping with the sale. Right. And, and there are times where you might need to jump in. You know, the, everybody's had the t their times where they're out with their rep and it looks like it's going to crash and burn. Um, right. So, so th there's times where, you know what, it's okay if it's not a big, huge, important client. It, it's really hard to do, but you let them crash and burn because if you sit and you talk about it and you analyze it, that's probably not going to happen again. And then there's also effective ways where you can jump in and you can say, you know, can, can I answer this question for you? Because I, I think I have some insight here. And then 
I answer the question, I go, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ben, and I pass control back to you. So mm -hmm. the client, I didn't undermine your authority as right. a sales rep, but I still made my point and saved it a little bit, but kept you in control. So there's effective ways to do that. I go all the way back to the top of our conversation. Mm -hmm. Nobody teaches you how to do that, right. especially when you get promoted from salesperson to sales leader. That's that's a skill you need to learn. Right, right. People go to someone like yourself again, pivotaladvisors.com, uh, to uh, to hopefully get more teaching and guidance on that. But um, I really appreciate this. I think that uh, I think that it's you know you've shared a lot of information. Uh, there's a lot to comprehend and digest uh, for uh, for people out there in the entrepreneurial community in terms of you know, recognizing what people are currently doing when they have sales issues, how critical it is to be good at that, and then what are the main areas that, that, that they can be improving on, uh, which is, you know, setting up clear sales goals, clarity about who the target market is, what the message to that to those people or that person is, and, uh, and then setting up a system of accountability and coaching, um, you know, with the sales manager that is, is ensuring that, that there's continuous and constant improvements uh, on the part of the salespeople for, you know, for their skills in sales. And so that is just super, super valuable, I think, uh, for a lot of people. I definitely think of so many things that come to mind and companies I've been involved in in the past and how they could, you know, do, do some of these things better. So I definitely appreciate it. I know it's a huge value for people. And thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing everybody on the other side. Bye. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.